Roar Nation, Promise Keepers is back July 31st, 2020. Estimated 80,000 men will be gathering at the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Speakers are going to rock the house. It's going to be a full lineup. And on top of that, worship is going to be amazing. Why am I telling you so far in advance? Because tickets are on sale and they're slowly selling out. So that being said, I hope I see you there. I am planning on going. Go to promisekeepers.org to get info and tickets. Again, go to promisekeepers.org. See you there. Welcome to Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You, the podcast that focuses on Christians that are active in everyday life. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to educators to athletes about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now get ready to roar with your host, the voice of manifestation, John Fuller. Hey, Roar Nation, John Fuller here, fired up this morning talking about the power of forgiveness. We got lots of good stories and I'm sure you do too, but Saying that, I'm going to introduce our special guest today, Derek Stone. Derek, you fired up and ready to go. Absolutely, man. All right, so Aurora Nation, check this out. So after working to support his family and his struggling artists, Derek Stone chose to reevaluate his life and his way of thinking, and in three short years, grew a small one-man show into a million-dollar company. This amazing transformation came about through this decision to forgive his father, and uh, I love that because we're talking about forgiveness and how it launches us, what I believe, into purpose. So that being said, Derek, why don't you give us a overall view of kind of just who you are, your family, and what you do? Sure. So um, I was a starving musician for about 14 years and um, put my my life through all kind of craziness to, to try to make that dream happen. But the beautiful thing about it is it did get me to Nashville. Um and I really, it was one thing that when I stopped performing, I was, my construction business started to take off and something had to give in my schedule. And I was just like, gosh, something's got to give because I kept sacrificing family events and just really upsetting my wife and, and, and missing stuff. And so I, uh, I stopped performing in 2014. Uh, I had my eight year old son there in the show. It was about 5,000 people. And, uh, it was just amazing, uh, experience. And I got kind of depressed about it because it was just one of those situations where it wasn't that I was not performing anymore. It was because I felt like God had given me this message and that I lost the platform to tell it. And so, um, so yeah, I've been married for 17 years and, uh, to my high school sweetheart, uh, we have two beautiful boys, Ashton and Noah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we're doing. I'm a general contractor here in Nashville, Tennessee, and, and we've been in business for about 10 years now. I love it, man. Okay, so you said something. We're going to obviously bounce around because I just get excited just on different things that you say. So you talked about performing. Did you feel like at the time you were living out your purpose, kind of like what God had created you to do? Did you feel like you were getting that through playing music and stuff, or did you always feel like there was something more? I did because there was, you know, it was one of those situations where you really just wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it came about at the end was like, you know, this message, how can I tell it more? And it became, it became, you know, I'd say a little bit of thing, at the, uh, you know, on stage. And then I would tell people to come talk to us at the merch table. And then that's where their true ministry would happen, you know, yeah. where, 
where people would, were dealing with stuff and, and they'd say, thank you for saying what you said, or that lyric really spoke to me and I've got your CD and this song, man, has changed my world. And man, it's, that's, that's really what it's about. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I got to ask though, what was, in, what was your band? Um, well, it was about three. Um, so we went from, and overall, if you want to listen to any of my music, it's on uh, YouTube under Derek Stone, uh, the, the album's mind games. Um, so, uh, and there is a, there is a a video on there. It's called Southern princess is the only music video I ever did. And that song was actually about how I met my wife. And so, um, that was a, it was kind of a happy song, but so Derek stone. And then there was another one called, uh, forevermore. And then after forevermore, there was uh, flawless pursuit. Um, and I kept, you know, it was kind of a bummer, but every time I changed my name to a band name, it always fell apart. Really? And so I just, <laughs> it was just one of those things that was like, maybe God was trying to tell me I needed to do it on my own. I don't know. Yeah. And that's the truth. I've been there. I've been there more with <laughs> construction. I've had a couple of businesses that way. And Scott's just like, well, we're going to just make this just you for whatever reason. For sure. So, okay. So on your journey, um, we'll go back to your past and talking about forgiveness and stuff, but through your career and through your life, have you had like an inspirational scripture or just kind of a quote that stuck with you? Man, I've got, I've got three of them, uh, three of them that there's really right now are just kind of in my wheelhouse right now that are, and two of them are mine. Um, and one of them is a guy that teaches all the Ted talk, um, guys. I met him a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is John Bates, but, um, so the first one is word of mouth advertising can't be bought. It's performed. Um, I, I, I tell my guys this all the time. It's, it's being present in the moment and, um, and doing what you got to do in the moment to make sure that you do a great job that that homeowner will recommend you. Uh, that's what I've grown my business on word of mouth advertising. So I wrote that down real quick, but what did it say? Word of mouth advertising can't be bought. It's performed. Okay. I like that. <laughs> the next one is, is perfection is the enemy of action and you have to take action to overcome fear. And um, that here lately, that's just been with this new book release. It's something new. And I've had just a lot of fear, like, what are people going to say? What are people going to do? You know, are they going to, you know, that kind of thing. And um, really just been like, Derek, look, you just got to act on it. Just, just, you just got to go act on it to get through this fear junk and perfect it as you go. If it, I know it's not going to be perfect when I start it, but perfect it as you go. And, and so that's been kind of a motto for what I'm doing right now. Um, and then the John Bates, man, I tell you what, this dude like blew my mind because of what he did with this pen. He said, let your audience be the hero. Don't be Luke. And he took this pen and he took this and he says, be Yoda. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I was like, dude, this be is the, Be the great. guide. I know, right? Don't be the hero, be the guide. Be the guide, exactly. And um, man, that blew my mind to just touch in, in the moment where I'm trying to transition a little bit. To, to public speaking and, and this book thing and, and being on podcasts and stuff. I really just want to be, you know, like that, be a Yoda. And I'm trying to understand what that looks like in my life right now. So, so um, if you want to really catch that, this is for our audience too, I'll throw you guys a nugget. So uh, Donald Miller, who is there in Nashville as well, has mm-hmm. a company called story brand. He has, mm-hmm. he's actually written one of my favorite books on branding and stuff. But if you'll read his book, story brand, Mm-hmm. He talks all about that as far as from a marketing standpoint. It's, um, it's it, yeah, the book's called Story Brand. But anyways, that's what he's kind of talking about. He said every movie, every book, everything is written from the context of, he talks about don't be the hero, be the guide. 
and he talks about like basically being Yoda, but he walks you through the process. So it's great for you. So is, is anybody listening to this, if you're in speaking or entertainment or just really anything in the industry where you're helping people, that book's fantastic because it helps you walk through the process of helping people and how to kind of step out of being the hero and being the guide. So nice. it's a great book. Highly recommend it. We're throwing, a, we're throwing out free marketing bones to. to <laughs> I tell you what's really interesting. Um, I'm in um, a mastermind group called Iron Sharpens Iron and it's with, uh, yeah, with Aaron uh, Walker. Yeah. Well, Aaron, you're part of the group. So yeah, Aaron. And then um, I, I do the BOP. We, we have our own business group called Business on Purpose. We work with oh, yeah. those Scott guys. Beebe. Yep. Okay, so we work okay. with Scott and we have, we hold our own group as kind of a subgroup of his and stuff like that for uh, business. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So he was, he was in that group with, with Don Miller and, uh, and, and, um, Dave Ramsey for 10 years. And so that's, that's, that's really neat. Yeah. That's hilarious. Small, small circle, man. Okay. So let's talk about your book, why I should forgive. And, uh, why don't you go into the back history? Let's jump back however many years and, uh, give us the journey of the book and why you wrote it. Um, well, not to sound terrible, but it's why, why should I forgive? And and that the thing was, is that comes from a place of contempt and a little bit of, I had a, I had a parts of it were great childhood. Parts of it were awful. Um, my parents were divorced when I was five. Um, and then we moved into a, we kind of bounced around for three years at my aunt's house or my grandma's house or that kind of thing. And then my mom moved us into, finally got a place of our own and it was a section eight project house in a neighborhood. And, um, my mom ended up getting married to one of the neighbor guys. And, and, uh, he, if I can be honest, he, he was a, a child abuser. So woo, I thought that was going to be a lot easier to say that, but so, so I was sexually abused from eight to, to 12. Mm-hmm. And, um, then she finally figured out what was going on and divorced him. And, you know, um, she got four years later, she ended up moving us to Tupelo, Mississippi, uh, outside of Tupelo, Mississippi. So with that, I had, I kept, I was just a bitter dude and I lived behind a facade and my bitterness was more towards not only the guy that had done that, but, um, also in towards my dad, because I felt like it was his place to protect me from all that. Yeah. Like, 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 man, this is, this was, this was your job. And like, so I, I became really, really bitter about it. And the first time I ever uh, told somebody about it, that person took advantage of me as well. Um, mm. And it was, uh, it was, it was God awful. And actually that, that, at that moment, because this guy was in the church, he was a youth pastor. And uh, I, I started running from God. I was like, God, if you have people in your church like this, dude, I'm gone. I'm, I'm done yeah, man. for sure. I, I was done. And man, I, I got, I got sexually involved with a girl that was three years older than me. I, um, I did every drug drink I could find, uh, get my hands on, which was actually surprisingly easy in the hood where I was at. Um, and, and it was just, like I said, the last six months I was in mobile, my mom knew I was going off the deep end. And I think she was like, we've got to get him out of here. We've got to get them out of here. I have a twin brother. And so, uh, we were the only two left at home. <clears throat> So moving to, to Tupelo was like, I thought it was culture shock. You know, um, I'm from Mobile is where I grew up at. And then why was it culture shock? Because culture shock was more of just a big city. And um, 
moving to Baldwin, Mississippi was in the middle of nowhere. It was just farmland and country folks. And, uh, and, and to be honest, you know, I had, I had kind of judged a book by its cover. There was some of the most wholesome people I'd ever met in my life. Some they just really bend over to help you out. Yeah. In the country. It was surprising. Yeah. In the country. Oh, man, it yeah. Was surprising. yeah. It's totally different. It blew my mind. And so, um, on the first day of school, like I said, man, I didn't, well, I was actually, let me rewind three weeks before school started. I was cussing like a sailor. I mean, drinking all summer long that year. And, um, when I went in, we were going into the 11th grade and, uh, something happened three weeks before. And, and I just felt like God was coming to me and he says, Hey, this is a new start for you. You're not going to screw this up. And, um, I pulled out a box that was in my closet that I knew my Bible was in that I hadn't unpacked yet. And so about you three, felt like you heard, you heard that voice audibly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like and to so, say that because some people hear different and I want people to understand, like some people hear some just read something, but sure. It's so it's like that prompting. And, and I heard, you know, this is a new start for you. You're not going to screw this up. So I was like, okay. So, um, I pulled out my Bible and about three days I stopped cussing and drinking and, and, uh, kind of cleaned my life up a little bit. And on the first day of school, man, this dude pops out of the bushes. It seemed like this guy named Will Davis, full of energy, man. Like, uh, just full of energy. If you can imagine like a guy in a boy band, this is what this guy was like. He was just real clean cut, athletic looking. And uh, he says, dude, do you love Jesus? And I said, yeah. And he said, <laughs> he said, he said, sweet man. And like all these people just kind of joined around us and gave us high fives and whatever. It was, it was pretty crazy. But, um, but that guy took me to a, to a football game that night. And then that Sunday he invited me to church and then that Sunday night to a youth small group. And man, I just realized I was where God wanted me to be. Yeah. And so I just opened my arms up and I said, God, just mold me and make me what you want me to be. And uh, I've been doing that a bit and getting molded ever since. So it's been, it's been a, quite of a, an intense deal. But if you fast forward a couple of years, the youth pastor, Mark Keys is now working for Dave Parks at freedom in Christ ministries. Well, it was freedom in Christ. Now it's, um, uh, passion ministries. Um, and uh, actually, it's Infusion Ministries. I'm sorry. So him and Dave Park kind of partnered up and did this. But they were doing this uh, Stomping Out the Darkness conference. At this conference, he said bitterness. The, the topic was bitterness versus forgiveness. And when that went, when he got done, he said, some of you need to forgive a parent or a sibling um, or an aunt or an uncle. And all this, my heart started racing and I kind of started to clench my fist and, and uh, I felt that voice again for the first time in three years. It was like, God said, Derek, I want to use you, but I can't because you have this bitterness towards your dad and I need you to forgive him. And I kind of like angrily in my head shouted back at that voice saying, why should I forgive him? I said, well, cause he didn't pay child support. I, I had to take cold showers because the lights got cut off in candlelight because, you know, and because he didn't pay child support, I didn't know where the next meal was coming from because he didn't show up and wasn't present. You know, we got sexually abused and, and, and that kind of thing. And, um, but then God, that voice said something to me, like I didn't just holler at him. He said, just real calmly, like, but I'm the father to the fatherless. Mm, that's good. And I wanted to know what that was like so bad. I said, uh, I said, God, I want to know what that's like so bad. I want, I want to know what it's like for somebody to tell me I have what it takes that I'm enough that, uh, I said, you know what, if you'll give me that, I'll give you this. And so I said, look, I'll forgive him broken, man, just on my knees crying for about two and a half hours, dry heaving. I was crying so hard, just that brokenness. When I got up, I felt free. 
I felt like I no longer had to, to hide behind that facade that I'd been keeping up and that I could truly be the real me. And, um, and, and, and now I look at my, my prayer did change to God, would you restore the relationship between me and my dad? Because he hadn't talked to us in 10 years. Yeah. And, um, so that was the, that was the big deal was, was it changed to, to, to that. But what was crazy is that it was like the next day and God was already doing it. He put me in the five families, like uh, almost like an adopted kid. It was crazy, man. I saw how they conflict resolution with their, their spouses. I saw how they were godly husbands and uh, godly fathers in, in a different way that I'd never seen before. I saw how they were contributing members to society and their community and in church. Um, and so I had different examples to live, to, to model my life behind. And so when I look back at it, God had given me that, you know? Uh, and so, so yeah, that was the kind of the transition that happened. And, and when I say when I was, when I got to, when my business did what it did, I was so grateful. I kept looking back to see what it was that, that triggered my journey to success. And that one decision to forgive my dad was where, um, where my life changed. Okay. So I got to go back. I'm like kind of laughing, but I'm not, if that doesn't sound terrible, but I'm like listening to your story. We have very similar stories in different senses, but I'm just curious, what was your progress working through with your dad? Because that's something I'm just being honest. I've never talked about this on the show. That has been a roller coaster ride for me over the last uh, 20 years because mm-hmm. we've had some like where I think we finally get some breakthrough and then we hit a really low point. And I've just, I've had to come to terms and I don't know if this is right. I'm not saying it is or isn't, but I just had to come to terms. I'm like, okay, so my dad doesn't know how to be and same with my mom. They don't, they don't know how to be the parent that I need them to be. So therefore I've set a wrong expectation. My expectation, I took the responsibility and say, okay, my expectation's wrong. And what they have is the best they can give. And that's what I've had to work through. But that has been really hard because like you have been through abuse and and just different things and and working through that emotion has been really difficult. So I'm curious how you work through this, have worked through things with your dad. Well, it took six years of prayer. And that's one of the reasons I talk about in the book is the waiting room. The waiting room is terrible, but so many times we have to do it. You just got to think about the next thing. Right. And, and what I had been praying for six years, well, I was in the middle of the deer woods, man, and in, 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 you know, middle of Mississippi in the woods and I'm on a four wheeler and my phone starts vibrating in my pocket and I pick up the phone and my dad usually never calls unless it's my birthday or somebody's in the hospital. It wasn't my birthday. So I was expecting somebody's in the hospital. And, um, he said, he picked up the phone and he's like, Hey Derek, how's it going? Can we talk for a second? I was like, so he was happy. I was like, yeah, sure. And he said, um, he goes, look, I don't want to be known as somebody who's walked out on their kids and I want to be in your life and my grandkids life. And, and I just want to ask you, um, if you'll forgive me for the way I've treated you guys for the past 10 years, man, I smiled from ear to ear and I said, dad, I forgave you a long time ago, but I've been praying for this day for six years and how, how that goes for me, it was that two months later, we went to his house on Thanksgiving and he got to see our little, our little baby Ashton, who was not walking yet. He was crawling. And, um, 
to me, that meant a lot. And, we, and over the years when we've went out and visited, you know, there's moments where we're around each other where I can kind of chat about things. And what, what people have to realize about their parents is, is one, sometimes you have to accept the fact that your parents are the best example of what not to be. <laughs> yes, man. Yes. And you know you what I'm saying? From, but you learn from that though. Yes. You do. I, I've had to. Yes. And you, and you also have to take a little better perspective, a perspective pill, I call it, and, and realize they are the way they are because of the examples that they saw. They went through. Yeah. And they, they were taught. Yeah. And a part of forgiveness, a huge part of forgiveness is in order for true forgiveness to happen, you can look at Jesus. Something has to die. Yeah. And what has to die for so many people in their relationships that they hold on to dearly and they're, they hurt. They deeply hurt, man, about, man, I wish it was this way. I wish I had a buddy of mine that same conversation you're having with me, man. He's like, dad, dude, I, I just, my, I just have to realize that my dad's not ever going to be what I need him to be. And it's hard for some people, man. It really is. I, and I get it because I've been there myself, but what they really have to do is suffer something to die is you have to mourn that, you know, you have to mourn the thought of what you thought that relationship was going to be. You set it, your expectation, you set an expectation. And in our lives, we have to, we have to mourn the fact that it's never going to be what, what I want it to be and what I hoped it would be. But I can set a boundary as to what it is to where I can protect myself and my family to keep from getting hurt. And uh, forgiveness is about you and trust is about them. Yeah. One thing I'd share this real quick with my mom, she was in and out of prison and different things and, and not really there after we got in high school. Well, you know, that was another thing, a, a situation I had to work through forgiveness with my mom. And, uh, and one day I just finally broke down. I said, Lord, give me a heart for my mom. I want to see my mom the way you see her. Show me that. And I just had this overwhelming just feeling of love towards her, but I felt like I was going through, like I could see her history and he was showing me how she had been abused and she had lost, uh, my brother died when I was little. She had lost another kid. She, her dad committed suicide. She, I mean, there was just this string of events and the Lord just showed me just how broken she was and how she couldn't deal with, you know, why she was an alcoholic and a heroin addict and, and all those things. And, and as I started to see that, like I went from this moment of bitterness to like grief for her because I could see how broken she was and she couldn't. And after that, I mean, it was, it really was kind of weird for me in the sense that it was a quick process. Like I felt like that literally happened in a day and it was just like, wow, my heart just went for her. And that kind of restored our relationship or at least mine, me towards her. And uh, it's just amazing how, what God can do, like everything that you're talking about when you're, when you're willing to lay it down and just say, God, I can't carry this burden because we weren't even designed to carry it in the first place, but we're willing to lay it down how he can just restore um, us. And then also sometimes that relationship with the other person, if they're willing. So Derek, we talked about forgiveness 
and kind of your process, things you went through. I'm a little curious, uh, has that been a process? Have you had a couple? I felt like I had a meltdown when I hit 30 and the Lord told me to <laughs> to deal with all of my skeletons in the closet. I, I literally woke up uh, one day, this is after like months of crying and the Lord was like, you have a closet full of stuff and we're going to deal with it. And that yeah. was a journey. Did you, and I have another friend that told me, I asked him, I said, he's, he's kind of a mentor of mine. He's in his 60s. And I said, have you ever dealt with that? And he started laughing. He goes, yeah, when I was like 30, 45, 50. <laughs> and he goes, and I'm planning on having another one too. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, wow. So yeah. I'm curious, did you do that also? Yeah, mine was, I think, at that moment. Um, I, so I had that breakdown and, and really just, I went through the list, man. And then shortly after that, because the guy that was facilitating the deal was my youth pastor. He brought me through the seven steps of freedom that, that Neil and, and Dave talk about. And, um, and in the seven steps of freedom, you deal with, uh, you know, bitterness, sexual sin, you deal with, um, generational curses and stuff like that. And man, um, I bound spirit of divorce in my family because mm-hmm. that meant I'd seen that coming down spirit of poverty. I seen that coming down the, the pike spirit of fear. Um, and, and, and so, um, where did you learn this? I haven't even heard it. Seven steps of freedom. What is that? It's through, it's, um, the bondage breaker. Okay. And, um, the book is the bondage breaker by Neil Park and, and, uh, Neil Anderson, Dave Park. I'm sorry, Dave Park and Neil Anderson. And, um, they usually do a retreat, but they focus on who you are in Christ. And when you, it's almost like when they're dealing with the self-critic, you know, you, 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 that's when you're dealing with you. It's always about renewing your mind. Uh, when those thoughts come up, you know, like you're, you're beating yourself up or pretty girl walks by, you know, uh, renewing your mind. And, and I didn't know what that talked about. Um, what that really meant until I read in James where it says, you know, think about such things that are pure and holy and wholesome and, and lovely. Think about those things. And that, and the, the kind of the Holy spirit put those two things together for me and was like, yeah, when you're going through this, this is what you do. Renew your mind. This is what renewing your mind means. And so I would go back to like a time when, um, our son was born, our first son was born and we had a boat and we put him in a little car carrier with an umbrella over him and we were boating all day long, just having a blast. Uh, I think about when both of my boys were born. I think about my wedding when I married my wife and those things, something that's lovely and, and, and heart, you know, um, that you love and, and those memories. And so when you're going through a tough time, you have to think about all that. And then gratitude too, man. Gratitude is a huge part. And that was you were talking about surrendering before we got locked up. You were talking about surrendering and letting go of those things. And that is number four in my book is the chapter the fourth step is surrendering the outcome. And I talk about Jehoshaphat, you know, Jehoshaphat went out there and he puts his hands up and he's like, God, this is, you gave us to this. It's your job to protect it. Not mine. You know, two things happened. One is that God fought the battle for him because it wasn't Jehoshaphat's battle. It was God's battle. Two things is that Jehoshaphat still had to show up. Yeah. He had to show, you know, it says he, he marched out to the valley and, and people were singing and worshiping and they watched as, as, as God's army, you know, they, de- they destroyed themselves. And um, two times in my life, really more times than that, but two big times was when my wife got diagnosed with cancer. And then when my little boy Noah, when he was uh, 
in the womb being, being made, <laughs> he had a little gray spot on his brain stem and they told us three things, you know, they got to be transparent. They said it could be down syndrome. He could uh, stillborn or it can disappear. And I called five of my best friends and, and closest friends and family. And I just said, Hey, can you pray for this situation? And, um, you know, at the end of that situation, I prayed and said, God, look, there's absolutely nothing I can do about this situation. And I'm going to give that to you and me surrendering that because it's not my battle to fight. You know, I'm giving that to you in faith. And what that did, one, is it empowered me to press on, you know, and, and surrendering the outcome is, is a big part because when you empowers you to press on, you can, you can face things that you would otherwise not have the power to do so. And you be, you jump into the victim mentality a lot of the times. Why me, man? Why me? You know, and you just have to move. Why not me? You know, God's got my back and, and, and surrendering that to him is, is, is a big deal. Um, cause God will fight your battles for you. You know, Amen. Yeah. When you say all that, there's a secular book that I just read by a Navy SEAL called Ex, uh, Extreme Ownership. Extreme Ownership. And I really enjoyed that because in, funny enough, I got sidetracked and didn't finish it, but I caught the gist of the whole book and it's basically just like own your crap. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that from the sense of like, it doesn't matter what it is. Just take responsibility for your life. Like it doesn't matter what's happened to you, what's been done to you. Like, in my mind, I think either God's is who he says he is and he's big enough to do this or he isn't. And I'm just going to let him walk me through the process of forgiveness and all these things. And uh, I can take ownership of that or not, or I could be a victim. And I'd rather, according to scripture says we are victorious That's and, right. uh, and I'd rather walk in victory than defeat. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes that people just have to understand that like, yeah, a lot of bad things have happened to a lot of good people. Mm-hmm. But we have a choice to move forward. And again, it's a choice. Well, and that's the thing you say that. And that's the, that's the thing that most people don't get or they never hear is that, you know, we can't always choose what happens to us, but we can choose how it, how it affects us and it molds us. You know, mm-hmm. we, we do have that choice. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So as your career shifted a little bit, because I, I, I like to ask people like when they feel like they've kind of stepped into what they were created to do or what they're supposed to do. How do you feel like you saw that shift or when did that shift happen for you? Well, um, I had one guy that's worked for me. I've had three guys that have left me that I believe are making all three of them are making six figures, but the first one did it right. (laughs) He left and was very honorable about it. Uh, The other two kind of did some stuff, but I had to um, practice forgiveness. Yeah. (laughs) It's a muscle Uh, and and it's a choice. I will tell you it's a choice. Um, And uh, a repetitive choice you have to make every day and, um, not relive those things. But for me, it was when I saw this, these, these guys start to branch off and go on their own thing. It was so rewarding for me to take somebody who is at a point in their life where they were just like, I need something different. And I could, when I empowered them to change their own life, I said, look, you can do what you want to do with this business. I just, I just, you know, be open and be willing to learn as much as you can and those three guys did that, man. And um, it just put a passion in me that was just like, man, you empower people to change their own lives. Yeah. And that's my passion, man, is to empower people to change their own lives. And that was kind of how it started to happen. And then back to the, the, the performance situation. After I stopped performing, I had um, 
I was just beating myself up because I was just so depressed that I wasn't performing anymore because I, it really was just a message. I, at that point, I, I felt the need to get the message out. And uh, I felt like God just came to me and says, dude, write it in a book. And uh, in five years, it's been it's taken me to get it there. Um, there were two other versions. And when I got to the point in those two versions to where um, you say, look, it sucks what happened to you. And you're right. It should not have happened. And I'm sorry that it did. But if you want to get on to the other place emotionally, you have to choose to forgive them. Um, and my self-critic just ate me alive, dude. So much so that I stopped writing for two years. Wow. Um, and, and so much so because it was just like, you're going to offend the world telling them that. You got to get over it. You know, I love yeah. you, but you got to get over it. If you wanted that, you have to put that vision of who they want to be. You put that vision of who you want to be, man. It's, yeah, I, I love you, but you got to get over it if you want to get there. And um, so for two years, I didn't write anything. And then two guys, two mentors of mine came to me and said, uh, it's Tom Schwab and, and Tommy Breedlove. They came to me and said, wait, 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 do you believe it? And I said, absolutely, I believe it. And they said, then write it because there's always going to be a critic. And those two guys kind of pulled it out of me. And I've, in the last year and a half, I've, I've got it finished and edited. It's been through two edits. And um, we believe we've got the final version. We're just writing the notes in it right now. And then it goes to layout. So I'm excited about it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my passion to answer the question in long form is to empower people to change their own lives. That's, that's what I love doing among other, other things uh, is my favorite thing to do, to watch people. Yeah. I think when people have been through guys like myself, even my wife, when you've been through a lot of trauma and you've worked through it, or I should say working through it, but if you've real had some really huge breakthroughs, you kind of have this aha moment. You're like, man, if I can do it, I know you can, mm -hmm. and I know it's possible. And it's like, you see people, sometimes I see people and I almost like can see the bondage that they're in immediately, whether it's poverty or unforgiveness or, uh, sexual sin or just whatever it is that they're in. It's like, you see it and you're just like, man, this is so doable. Like if you'll just implement these steps and just allow the Lord to walk you through the process, the breakthrough you could have is everything you've ever desired, but you have to be willing to lay it down. Absolutely. And, and that's what I talk about. You know, the, the book is, is really just nuts and bolts. It says, you know, wanting and defining what that life looks like. You know, I talked about, in, in order to forgive, you got to figure out what you want, where you want to be at and, and making that want a need. I gotta have, I gotta have that guy, that guy that I want is, is over there. I've got to figure out how to get to that guy. And then the next thing is going with your gut. And sometimes that takes cleansing, cleansing your surroundings, Yeah, you know, and, and people that are negative, people that bring you down, that don't lift you up and you gotta, you know, you've got to, if those people aren't lifting you up to get you to where you need to go, then you have to make a choice to get those, either set a boundary, a healthy boundary, Yep. You know, and, and then the third, the third thing is, is, um, open heart surgery and inside open heart surgery, we talk about the self critic and taking responsibility for your own actions and how to make a decision. Cause a lot of people don't know how to make a decision using their goals as a filter, running every goal or every decision through their goal as a filter to make that decision. It, a lot of the times it eliminates the negative. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, dealing with self-critic, the cost of bitterness in the waiting room. And then from there, it goes on to surrendering the outcome, like we talked about. And then from there, the last step is gratitude. Um, just, just how, you know, happiness and gratitude 
are different sides of the same sort of joy. You can't be a happy, joyful person without being grateful. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And you can't be grateful and happy if you're a bitter, revengeful, angry person. Yeah. So, um, Amen. yeah, I was going to bring up, uh, for our audience too, and, and you've heard this and anytime you've been in the business world and done self-education or whatever, but you know, they say in the secular world that you are the sum of the five people you hang out with or what you listen to and stuff. And, you know, at a point in my life, I literally started looking at like, okay, what are my books? What are my friends? What am I listening to? And I started summing that up. And if it didn't align with who I wanted to become and who God said I was, then I had to make the choice of like this person or this thing or whatever it is, is not healthy for my life. And it's gone. Like it just didn't meet the cut. That's not who I want to be. And, uh, and I think a lot of times people don't scripture talks about in Proverbs is, um, uh, is it birds of a feather flock together? Or am I thinking, uh, no, what, I think uh, that's a book. <laughs> that's a book. I'm thinking there's a script. That's hilarious, man. I'm thinking there's a scripture that talks about that though. And it's not iron sharpens iron, but there's another one. Um, but it just talks about counsel of friends. That's hilarious, man. I, I cannot believe on <laughs> national uh, podcasts I screwed that up, but that's great. Okay, good. It's all good um, there's grace. <laughs> yeah, there's grace. But anyways, that being said, that you have to look around you and just say, you know, are the people in my life, do they influence me the way of the person I want to become? Absolutely. And if they don't, you got to cut them out. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy. I will tell the audience it's not easy um, because some of those relationships are lifelong. Yes. But when you realize they're toxic, bro, when you realize they're toxic, you know, you got to make a decision when you, when, when you feel it in your heart, yo, that just doesn't sit right with me. (laughs) You got it. You got a choice. I mean, seriously. And in, in, in Deuteronomy 19, I think 30 in Deuteronomy, it says, you know, I bring all heaven and earth together that as a witness that you would choose life. And he says, Oh, that you would choose life, that it would go with well with you and your descendants. Man, when I read that verse, I was like, gosh, how many times does God bring earth, heaven and earth together to make, let you make a decision, you know? And, and so when I make decisions too, man, it's like that. I want life. I want life for me and my family. And so how do you go get life? You know, is this, is this bringing life or is it tearing my life down? That's the easiest, you know, it's the easiest qualifying factor, right? Like you said, is it building me up or is it tearing me down? It's a, uh, I got to grab this real quick. I'm like 90 per after I just hacked that last one, dude, I'm going to look this up. This is funny, but uh, <laughs> John 10, 10, it says, I've come to give you life and life in, uh, in abundance. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pull it up just because after, like I said, after that, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm like, I don't want to jack with the audience. Um <laughs> Yeah, it says this thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And um, I, I talked about this uh, actually at our church a couple of weeks ago. And a lot of times, you know, I struggle with the thought. I used to think, well, abundance was um, material possession. But that is so not even the, the scratch of the surface. Abundance is joy and peace and the fruits of the Spirit and love and relationships and all those things, Jesus came to restore us to live a life of abundance in every area. And, um, but again, and all going back to your book, and I hope our listeners grab it, is you have to walk through the, the, just the power of forgiveness and allowing Jesus to cleanse you and heal your heart. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
So, okay. So as we wrap up the show, uh, Derek, I want to ask you, we skipped a ton of questions because we, I, I always <laughs> go off on stuff, but I'm just curious. One that I never skip is if you could go back to the younger you, what, uh, what age would you go back to? What advice would you give yourself? Uh, what pep talk would you give yourself? Okay. So I thought about this and I've thought about this for a while. Um, I would go back to my twenties when I, when I was 20. Okay. Um, I had been married for about, no, I had just been married. Got married when I was 19, turned 20 in April. Yeah. So, um, I would go back and I would say, um, stop playing music. <laughs> yeah. Stop playing music and invest in Amazon, Google, and Netflix. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I would say, um, music was not your dream. Your family is. And that, um, I would listen to, it says, uh, listen to your wife. She's a gift that, uh, every time you don't listen to her, you will lose. And, um, she wants to play an irreplaceable role on a great adventure. And there's at least three times in our marriage that I took her out of that role and, um, it caused immense damage. And so, um, I, I, in 2018, we went to marriage counseling and I just had to fight for my marriage. And that's what the, the second chapter 10 in the book is about what forgiveness looks like in a marriage. And, um, man, that could be a whole nother podcast, bro. If you want me to bring, come back. <laughs> oh yeah. But, uh, Dude, I, got, I got plenty of stories on that one. We could trade some. Well, we're kind of branching out. We're going to start doing different podcasts on faith, family, fitness, fun, and finances. We call it the fuller five, but you and I can come back on and we'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about marriage and how stupid guys are. Yeah. Well, I do know that I would definitely say, because I mean, every time I've not listened, you know, women just have this discernment feely thing. I don't know, man, it's God given. Yep. I don't know what it is, but uh, they know it's like a BS meter, you know, they, yep. <laughs> they have a, a BS meter that's so much higher than us as guys, you know, cause I, I, I'm coming from an abusive background. Excuse me. I, I want to believe the best in people. Yeah. And I get taken advantage of a lot doing that. But my wife, man, she, nope, they're going to take advantage of you. Okay. All right, cool. Let's go. You know? So, yeah. Trying to learn that as hard as it. Okay. So, uh, Derek, I'm going to give you kind of the last word as we wrap up the show. Uh, What is a piece of party advice you'd like to leave the audience? And also in that, let us know where we can find you and connect with you. Sure. So, I I thought about that too, and and I just really – I have this, this kind of quote that I just wrote down last night and it's kind of a long one, but it says people don't act because they are scared. They're scared because they don't know. They don't know um, because they won't learn. They won't learn because no one has ever showed them the value of knowledge. And I'm not talking about formal education. Never before has it been easier to learn. Audience, if you can hear me out there, I changed my future and I changed my life with the click of a button. Um, through YouTube and, and, and asking people uh, what they do, best practices in the construction industry. And, um, you know, you have, to, you have to take action to overcome fear. And so I just want to kind of let that sit with you guys. And um, to find out, I just got my Amazon pre-order link yesterday for the book. Uh, you can go to DerekStone.online. That's D-E-R-E-K-S-T-O-N-E.online. To, um, to check that out. I'm going to put the pre-order link on there and I'm going to try to do it for you guys specifically um, for your people. So you can share that on the notes um, as well um, for your audience. But um, 
if you ever want to check out uh, you me, me live or, or checking out some of my videos, I have a YouTube channel that's SRNR TV, which is a lot of how-to videos on on construction. Um, but yeah, I really S S and R, S R and R TV. Okay. And um, so yeah, and and let's start a conversation. If you want to start a conversation, you can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm in Nashville, so. Uh, just check me out there. But yeah, DerekStone.online is, is where you can reach, reach out to me and it's linked to all my Facebook and Instagram and all that. Awesome, man. Well, Derek, I want to thank you so much uh, for sharing your story. I know uh, <clears throat> how painful it can be and it just kind of how it stirs up emotion. But I just want to encourage you, um, like you said in part of the show, there's always critics, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is, you know, I think if, if you don't have critics, you're not doing something right. And I just want to encourage you to go forward because you have a testimony and you have a story that's going to allow people to get freedom and to get healing. And I just encourage you just to go with boldness. And uh, um, like Joshua, he talks about, he says, uh, don't be afraid. And the Lord just kind of told him, just go out and do your thing. And I just encourage you, man, just go out and do your thing and just allow people to, to receive the healing. Like I looked at the front cover of your book, obviously it's a black heart and it's peeling away and you can kind of see the red. And I just see you as man, that's just what you're doing in people's lives in the construction industry and through your book. And as people are going to read it and the Lord's just going to be pulling away the darkness on their hearts and allowing them to be who they are because of you taking the step to do it. Yeah. I appreciate that. So, Thank you just, so much. Absolutely. So hold on just a second. Roar Nation, we love you guys. I hope you got a lot out of this. Um, and hopefully the editing came together. We got broke off in the middle of the show. So we're going to piece it together best we can. And I uh, hope you guys just make the decision to allow the Lord to heal your heart. And it's a process. It's hard. But as you heard Derek's story, and I can uh, testify for my life and for Casey, my wife, that if you allow the Lord to do it, the, the healing and the breakthrough that you'll get, you'll look back and think, why did I not do that sooner? So anyways, if you guys need help, need anything, uh, again, Derek said you could reach out to him or reach out to us uh, through Facebook. And uh, we'd love to hear your story and anything we can do. So love you all. Remember, be real, be authentic, and be you. That's all for this episode of Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You. Be sure to go to areyoureal.org for your free questionnaire to identify your gifts and talents and how you can use them to help people become leaders and catapult them into their destiny to help others become the leaders of tomorrow. We appreciate you spending your time with us and look forward to helping you reach out and revolutionize next time on Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You.